Hello everybody, FPL TJ here, back with the final Southampton game before its report card comes out as they drew 3-3 miraculously with Spurs. As they went 3-1 down as late as the 74th minute, Southampton somehow pulled out the impossible by coming back from two goals down to draw against the mighty Spurs who had earned their lead. And we will look at all the tactical developments, some forced, some not, and we will draw merits from all of these approaches. Let's begin with Southampton, who had all the materials in the world to come up with an exciting match and they did it with their more experienced side. This time round, they had two half-space operators applied as wingers, as the likes of Stuart Armstrong and Muhammad El-Yunusi operating on the flanks instead of Sulemana and Alcaraz. This meant that for the first time, Theo Walcott was used as a striker, something that we've dreamt of since the Arsenal days. And here, their 4-4-2 was almost unrecognisable, as the likes of Romain Perrault and KWP all kept their place. Now this match can be portrayed as a wide versus narrow battle with Southampton being narrow but truthfully the battle on the flanks was basically 2v1 permanently as Southampton would constantly attack Spurs when they had the ball 2v1 against Spurs' wingbacks. Taking advantage of Spurs' deep back three, they basically put in cross after cross relying on late runners from midfield to take shots from relatively dangerous positions as the likes of JWP as well as Stuart Armstrong on the right half space would take shots. Now the second half would see some enforced change, highlighting some of Spurs' weaknesses, particularly outside of their centre-backs, the typical weakness of a three-man formation. So, Lavia was the hero here, but the punisher was Theo Walcott, usually a striker in this match, but operated really to run outside of Spurs' back three. So, as Walcott received the ball plenty in the penalty area, his cutbacks were repeatedly found by the half-space operators. The irony here is that Shea Adams was the first to profit off this approach, as Walcott's cutback found him in the first minute after the break. But thereafter, whenever Southampton did look threatening, it all came down that very right-hand side, either played in by Lavia or by one of the half-space operators who would then find the other half-space operator on the other side. Now, it has to be said that this approach did come with some calculated risk, as the back four was entirely occupied with Spurs' front three. It left acres of space for any wing-back to be picked up. This will be explained a little bit more in the Spurs section, but long story short here was that one of the central midfielders, either JWP or Lavia, was tasked with tracking the wingbacks and more often than not in the first half, there was none to be seen whenever the likes of Pedro Porro and Ben Davis took their shots. In the second half, however, being on the front foot due to their momentum from the Walcott goal, they basically threw on all their dribblers with the likes of Mara, Sulemana and Alcaraz all eventually making the difference in the final third. But really we cannot escape the fact that Southampton now flipped their strategies around and unfortunately were comprehensively outplayed by Spurs' formations. Lastly, it has to be said that given a shorter amount of time and coming up against relatively tired legs from Spurs, 
Sulemana was the one who shone the brightest among all the dribblers that came on. So that was certainly a noteworthy point as we continue to search for potential differentials from this Southampton team. The final game of Antonio Conte's reign saw the same 3-4-3 start and last for about 10 minutes as Richarlison had to come off for Kulusevski early on. This did not discount the tactical advantage, the major, major tactical advantage that Spurs had on the flanks, where their back five came up against the pressure from Southampton's front four. Looking initially shaky, they quickly worked out that all they had to do was push their wing backs extremely up high and none of Southampton's midfielders would follow them. Pedro Polo was the obvious benefactor of this decision as their passing out from the back was certainly more stable down the right side when Romero, usually under pressure, could play the ball better. So Pedro Polo sorry, had decisive impacts as early as the third minute, sorry, the second minute where he chipped a beautiful ball for a Hyungmin Sun big chance, but really kept getting involved. He had shots in the 17th, then the 25th, and eventually he thoroughly deserved his goal in at the stroke of half time. The difference here was that on the left side, the supply line came to him through a Son Hyungmin pass rather than through Harry Kane or Kulusevski. The difference here was that Kulusevski or Kane would usually require to take a touch before finding the wing back, whereas Son Hyungmin, with far more vision and incisiveness, would play through balls that were much faster, especially if they were curlers at ground level. Now, the second tactical advantage Spurs had took advantage of two injuries that occurred to Southampton. Southampton lost both their centre-backs in the first half where Jan Bednarek as well as Amela Belokochap were replaced by another centre-back in the form of Salisu, but crucially the other centre-back was replaced by Maitland Niles, traditionally a fullback or a defensive midfielder. This meant that Harry Kane had all the time in the world to take advantage of any favourable matchups and he did so decisively in the 65th minute. The key difference here was that instead of relying on the wingbacks for shots, the wingbacks, sorry, Pedro Porro and Kulusevski were more confined to their winger role and that essentially allowed them to link up much better rather than Kulusevski being stuck in the centre and Pedro Porro alone out wide. Once again, we saw the best of Kulusevski come to the fray as Kulusevski's in-swingers from wide to the far post usually aimed at the left wing back, Perisic was there for the goal by the way, found Harry Kane at the back post towering above KWP and you guessed it, Maitland Niles. Now this matchup aside, it was shrewd to say that Conte did attempt to protect the lead by bringing both his right wingers off, bringing on Emerson Royale as well as Pape Sa. So the question comes down to whether this approach would have been viable done at 3-1 up instead of at 3-2 up after Walcott scored their goal, or perhaps could things have been different if Conte kept that same attacking lineup to extend their lead in the closing stages. The truth probably lies somewhere in between, but for FPL purposes, we are more concerned with how to take advantage of the injuries that are starting to stack up for Spurs themselves. Ben Davis came off for Perisic and this 
puts Perisic in a huge, huge advantage moving forward as we continue to look for another premium defender to supplement Kieran Trippier and an Arsenal defender, sorry, Ben Chilwell to look for differential power in order to move up our mini-leagues. India and Southampton have proven that they remain a side that would probably be tactically outfought by the big guns from time to time and at least they have player quality that they can recall from the bench to chase the lead as compared to Spurs whose lack of depth was probably the cause for Southampton's comeback. As we wrap up the Southampton views, there is no doubt that their report card will be full of developments considering the tactical developments of their manager from their previous tenure and we will compare them both in Southampton's report card coming up next. <laughs>